Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You'd think a Thursday in the middle of June, what are you going to talk about? But this week on the BWI Daily Edition, there is so much stuff to talk about. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. That's Nate Bauer, our senior editor. He and I always come here about an hour every Thursday, and we have a conversation about what's on your mind with our mailbag show. That's what we're getting to today, but uh, a lot of it, just so as a heads up, most of the show is going to be talking about NIL, because those are the questions. This time it's not Nate or I bringing up a topic on the top of the mind. It's on the top of the mind of our message board members over at bluewhiteillustrated.com who get the majority of the questions on the show. So if you want to be one of those people and you want to talk about football stuff and you want to equal things out for next week, sign up for just $1. Get 12 months of access for a dollar. So you can get the inside information on NIL or Damian Robinson or... Uh, you know, whatever else we're talking about. We were talking about, I was, I was on a very fascinating conversation about electric cars. I learned a lot because one of our message board members, he, he worked in the industry, you know, in batteries and things like that. I learned so much about that. I thought that was cool. And that's all you can get in the community at the lion's den. We're, we're here for it. What, whatever's on your <laughs> mind. That's, but now is the right time to talk about these things, right? For sure. Like, oh yeah. We'll be we'll be knee deep in uh, outside zone in August, <laughs> so we'll cr- yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we we'll, need to. We'll be talking about we'll be talking about uh, you know cover three versus cover two versus uh, what's a what's a what's a fire zone blitz and and what's a what's a read blitz and a, I'm sorry green dog blitz and all these things that everyone anyone who knows football is like oh yeah I know about that stuff and then everyone else is like what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> yeah just just to just to clarify here you'll be talking about that i'll be listening <laughs> and enjoying all of it yeah we'll get to all of that uh this year on the blue white illustrated daily edition but uh penn state i i, I thought a little bit out of the blue i was very appreciative of this but kind of out of the blue was like coaches are gonna be available next wednesday mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. come over to lash building and james franklin will speak with everybody and then all of the position coaches, all the coordinators, but Manny Diaz, who was not available because he was uh, had a previously scheduled trip, they were all out there. Uh, and we talked about this on the Daily Edition in a quick recap afterwards, but I want to dig into some of the things that you and I learned yesterday that we didn't get to before we get to the mailbag. So what are some of the other nuggets you you came away with from uh, from from yesterday's media availability? Yeah, so the I talked to three of the assistants. I talked to Phil Troutwine. I talked to Stacy Collins, who's the special teams coordinator. Props to the special teams coordinator, right? Like underloved, underappreciated sure. special teams coordinator. Uh, and then Mike Yersich. Um, and honestly, all, all three were enlightening, good conversations. Um, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily that that there was 
right? Like there are things that I kind of already understood to be true, but to hear them verbalize it was, was encouraging, I guess, to me, right? Uh, Phil Trotwine talking about the handicap of not being able to hands-on coach, yeah. right? For the first year, 14, 16 months of his tenure at Penn State and what, what that did, what the impact was of that. Um, you know, kind of a, a, a little bit of a look back and a look ahead for him yeah. about what the offensive line has been for the last two seasons, what he anticipates it's be it becoming. He's he's a modest guy, right? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, and and if I could talk about one theme through the day, it was this undercurrent of, hey, uh, we've been put in our place a little bit. Over the right or humbled, I would say, over mm -hmm. the last couple of years, and so like Mike Yurcich is a confident, co cocky yeah. kind of guy, right? Yeah. Like he was, um, like contrite isn't the right way to put it, but yeah, like kind of like hey, that that knocked us back a little bit, would yeah. you know? But confident that things are moving forward, so yeah, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a productive day, and um, you know a good check-in for this time of year when, right? I mean, like we don't, we don't necessarily have access to those assistant coaches until weekly teleconferences during the season. Yep. So yeah, great to check in, great to kind of get their insight and um, you know, what, what they're thinking about as summer is here and preseason camp comes on quickly. How about yeah. you? Well, I also I spent the first half we we tag teamed the the Mike Yersich interview. <laughs> uh, I spent the first half uh, over there, and I so here here's what I really like. I like that like I, I let me let me put it this way. Mike Yersich, if you want to ask him a question, he's going to be interested in answering. He <laughs> is all about ball, man. He is all about football. So if you can ask Loves him. It. If you can yep. ask him something that he can answer in terms of what his job's actually about, you know, he is a very engaging, interesting, uh, and, and I think effective communicator. Like, I learn when I ask a good question. But if you don't ask him a good question, like, he's respectful, but he's not, like, I, 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 the, some of the running game conversation yesterday. Uh, I was thinking about it last night because I couldn't fall asleep because I was thinking about it, like, you know, that circular thing in your brain. It'd be like asking you, Nate, about the run game and asking you as the uh, as the offensive coordinator about the toughness of your offensive line or you can't run the ball, what are you doing? Um, without asking a specific question about something that actually involves his job, like toughness or, or strength or something like that, you're asking a writer, hey, so your article wasn't good. Why did you use that font? <laughs> Like it, yeah. it, it's a part of the it's a part of your writing. It can be a detriment if it's not right, but that's not really his job. His job right. is not toughness, and it's you know that is something that everything is incorporated into the head coach, the strength coach, the positional staff, the offensive coordinator. The it's the program that creates those things. His job is the tactics, and I think that's the disconnect with a lot of coordinators and a lot of position coaches. Is like. They'll, some guys love giving you non-answers, and if you ask them something like that, they're going to give you a very long answer that has very little in it because that's what they want to do. And <laughs> Mike Yersich isn't in that guy. Yeah, 
I, I mean, first of all, like, and you are being very respectful about saying this. He's a tough interview. Mike Yersich is a tough interview because if you're not on your P's and Q's, uh, he he will expose that very quickly. Like, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it is a yeah. it is a little bit of a sparring session when when talking to him in, in like the best way possible, right? Like, I mean, it's not it's not a um, it's not talking down on you or you talking down on him. It's simply, hey, uh, if you're coming from a place that is not. Um, if you're coming from a place of you know more than him about the game that he spends 80 hours a week right right like right it's not it's not going to go well for you like that's yeah. just bottom line and so what what's helpful for me as a questioner and as a journalist asking these these questions is look uh there might not be a good way to battle back and forth about what I think versus what he thinks. Sure. But if I, if I can ask, Hey, just what do you think? <laughs> right? Like, like, uh, okay. Like forget, forget what I think about the balance between the run and the pass. Tell me what's important to you. Tell right. me what you're prioritizing as an offensive coordinator. Like what should I be looking for? What should fans be? What is the indicator of success based on what you want your offense to be. And the easy answer to that, which he always says and is a valid response is points. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. points. That's, that's the indicator. But then other things that I wrote about this morning. Okay. Forget, forget how many times they had a hundred yard rusher. Forget yeah. how many times they topped a hundred yards rushing as a team. Forget the fact that they were 118th in rushing last season. Mike Yersich knows and said yesterday that his metric is yards per carry. Yeah. Bottom line yep. is if you run the ball 15 times a game instead of 35, yeah. but can come out of that 15 carries with what, six, seven, eight yards a carry? Yeah. You're in business. And if the quarterback <laughs> and if the quarterback is a part of that, it means that they're focusing on the traditional game leaving wide open holes for the quarterback. Like I, this is so on point, Nate, you killed it there. Cause that's something I've been talking about this summer is you don't. So there's this old school idea of establishing the run, right? We have to run the ball to have fourth quarter success and wear guys down. And maybe there's some of that. Maybe that's a part, but you've wasted three quarters to get to that point. Yeah. As you've said, go get points and the efficiency of the run game is the threat. The threat of the run game creates easy decisions for the quarterback with RPO and play action. That is the main thing that Penn State lost last year. Was not that they didn't have a 100-yard rusher. It's that they didn't have a guy that was carrying the ball and getting six yards every time he touched it. And then when you build off of that, the quarterback game gets easier. Sean Clifford's athleticism. like it is. You, that is so right. And, and how is, you go do that is how what I'm interested in. What is what is the key to that? What you mentioned about RPO and play action, it is very bluntly, and he said it yesterday, putting defenders in conflict, right? Like, if if guys, I can, wish I was there for uh, this part of the conversation. <laughs> if, if they if if defenders can diagnose what you're doing and have no doubt yep. about it, yep, they're gonna fly to the football at this yep. level, right? They're, I mean, let alone the NFL. Uh, and there are guys, obviously, at the next level who can make up for that. Michael Parsons yep. can not 
know and still make up for it because he's that athletically gifted. Yeah. He can take a false level, step, which in the NFL is death, and then right. figure it out on the fly and go get the football. But Correct. that's Micah Parsons, who is one of the best athletes we've seen come through Penn State in a very long time. Talked about that with Seth Galina, by the way, on the PFF uh, from PFF on uh, the Blue White Illustrated Daily Edition last week. Uh, so if you want to check that episode out, we talked about putting players in conflict and how the RPO does that, how play action does that, and how that's the bedrock of, kind of the bedrock of modern college football, of making yep. guys, and this is why I keep saying this on the show, if you're a linebacker, you can't be right if you're playing a good team. You just can't be, because as Seth put it, you can't be in two places at once. Um, so I talked to, I, I want to get to one other thing quickly, because we always get lost in these conversations, and I forget to, I forget to get to the mailbag. Oh, uh, time's up. <laughs> uh, talk to, this is something that, that uh, people have asked me over at the, the Lions End Message Forum about the receivers. Why doesn't Penn State have their big X receiver anymore? They don't have a Chris Godwin who is 6'2", 6'3", 215 pounds and is that physical presence. And I asked uh, uh, Taylor Stubblefield about this previously when he was talking about um, the recruits that were coming in. They're all of kind of the same size, fast, athletic, but not a lot of size. And he pointed to the NFL and saying the trend is really in that sweet spot of 5'11 to 6'1. And I was I asked a bad question. I said, this offense puts a lot of pressure down the field vertically on the outside. And he's like, I don't know if I agree with that. Because <laughs> the idea is line Jahan Dotson up outside or inside doesn't matter he's got the athleticism and the physical ability to run from the slot or from the boundary if you can be unpredictable going back to what you said of putting players in conflict and not letting them know what's happening you have an advantage so a guy that's 6'3 he may be able to be a slot receiver but that guy's super rare but a guy that is 6'1 5'11 somewhere in there he more likely has the agility to run good interior routes and the physical ability to get off press, get down the field, and be a presence at both places. So when it comes to what they're looking for, the ideal body type is not 6'3". It's that yep. ability and what you're asking of them, how do they execute that? So that was one of the other nuggets that I pulled away that I thought was super interesting and will help going forward when it comes to evaluating players and whether or not they're a good fit or they're a good prospect. The uh, cough drop is not helping today for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the mailbag. Do you have anything else before we get there? Anything else that you thought was interesting? Uh, no. St I mean, Stacey Collins, we, I, people who know me uh, and follow along at this point will appreciate this. I talked to Stacey Collins about golf. <laughs> um, not him being a golfer, but actually, it, it, there is some interesting ah, uh, stuff there. Okay, well, you there are is the some interesting stuff there. You're our special teams expert now. I'm call. I'm. I am. I'm bequeathing that upon you. You are the man who's going to understand kicking and punting better than I ever will as an avid golfer. So when we come to special teams, I'm going to start asking you the questions about call me, buddy. Swing. I got you about mental reps, all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, if you want to ask. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's, there's just there's more parallels than people realize. And if you want to get one of those questions on the show, bluewhiteillustrated.com is the best way to ask your question on the Lion's Den message form. I do solicit some questions from Twitter as well. So if you check out usually Wednesday nights, 
uh, on at Thomas Rankar on Twitter. I'll put out the call for that. You can see my weekly lane gif that I throw up there to get your attention. Uh, you can get one in there, but if you want to ask Nate about his golf swing and how that uh, equates to Barney Amore being a better punter, you can do that there or sign up at bluewhiteillustrated.com for $1. Be on the message board. Get your question in on that thread. Starting out with Pocono 570, what's been the consensus opinion on the newest arrivals so far? And the consensus opinion I got yesterday, Nate, was there is no consensus opinion. They're they're new. We we don't know quite yet. Yeah. It's very, very, very early in the process. James Franklin talked about Abdul Carter and how, you know, he arrived, I think, on Sunday. But yesterday was literally his first workout and his first opportunity to, to kind of test. And so I, I will say the Hunter Norzad, right? Um, who, who were some of the other guys that he mentioned yesterday? Uh, players that have Damian Robinson. Damian, that was the one that we got the, I think the most feedback on was Damian Robinson because there, as James Franklin always talks about, there's a previous relationship there. Yeah, no, but, but what I was, the only thing I was going to say is they've done the testing part of things. And yeah. so there, there is a. I'm always in conflict about this because sometimes I think that it's given too much credence. And then other times I think that it's not given enough credence, but literally, are you a good athlete, <laughs> right? Like, can you yeah, test yeah. well? And so when the first, when the first real impression that these guys make is by their ability to test and then they test well, it, it, it's a jumping off point. It's a, yeah. it's a good place to start from. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think that that's a big part of it and the, the impressions that those guys gave yesterday in terms of assistant coaches and James Franklin was positive to that end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they kind of knew that going in about some of these guys, especially Damian Robinson as they, you know, they recruited him heavily previously, but then it's the question of where are you physically now is the, I think the difference. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean. What's curious to me is, and because you you don't really hear it, and it's not a surprise that you don't hear it, is what about the guys who don't test well, <laughs> right? Like, what about the guys yeah. who come in and maybe you have a certain expectation as a coaching staff because that's why you recruited them to come yeah. play for your program, and then they come in and they're just lackluster or some, something's not quite right. Uh, what you know, what do you do there? And I mean, yeah. I think that the the pretty obvious de facto answer there is you, you just work them, right? I mean, so, you get them with Chuck Losey and you yeah. go from there. I think that was kind of, we heard a little bit of that with Mitchell Tinsley. Absolutely. Uh, they were probably expecting him to be a little more explosive. He didn't test the way they wanted. And then James Franklin mentioned it twice. of Like, he's a great receiver. He's going to yep. get in our speed program. He's going to see how much faster and more explosive and, you know, maybe even mention explosiveness more than just speed. I think it's also the vertical there of he's, you know, now he's got to compete with great athletes and he's going to see how high the bar can be set. So yep. that. That's a very good point, and I think a very interesting conversation uh, you bring up of what does happen, because you you don't normally throw guys under the bus. Like You're not going to be like, oh, wow, we made a mistake here, because they're, <laughs> they're in your program now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Uh, So we're starting in in probably not the best entry point to this conversation about NIL, um, but this is the order they went in. So Losi's mustache asks, and this is a long one. Franklin talked about getting to a point where they have everyone making a base NIL salary. You will have then setting the market to determine their extra value. So afterwards, after the base, whatever they can get from the the market is is what they get. So at what point do these colleges just make them employees? I think that's a great question. If they're employees, don't they then have to pay for their own education? Since the value of the scholarship seems to be lost on these kids, now we're getting to the opinion here, and they are just focusing on what can you get for me? I think it's a smack from reality might do them some good. (laughs) So Losi's mustache is stern today. There's some yeah. extra beeswax in Losi's mustache. Nate, what part of that do you want to address first? Because there's there's multiple layers to it. There's the yeah, interesting I, part I, at the at the beginning, and then the stuff at the end. I want to take on all of it. Um, okay, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start at the end. Okay, and be brief about it, but blunt. If the NCAA had given ground even a little bit of ground along the way, none of this would be happening, right? Like n- none of this would be an issue. Uh, they, they, they would have been happy to have been subsidized on top of their education to the tune of what, 20, 30, $40,000 a year, a- anything in that range. And for the, like the added dent into the budget, would have been nominal compared to what is now being talked about as a prerequisite to be able to compete in this space on the NIL front, right? Like the, Ryan Day is talking about $13 million. That's probably on the low end of reality of what it's going to take to compete because everybody now is going to be shooting for that $13 million. And the way to win is to beat whatever your competitor is doing. Right. So all of those costs, all of those things could have been contained and could have been dealt with. Uh, I don't want to get into the issue of amateurism, but it it would have fallen within that scope to have been, been able to just like give a little, give a little, give a little, and then you avoid this complete absence of rules, this complete, you know, uh, think of many, many cuss words that can yeah. go in there, right? Yeah. For what, what the situation is right now. Um, you know, but like in terms of, Hey, like a smack in the face of like learning what the value of an education is or, or, or so on and so forth. Like, I'm sorry, but that just doesn't align Can with I... the notion that these people, right? Yeah. College football players, the product are delivering to Penn state university, a value of roughly $130 million per year. Yeah. Yeah. I bluntly let's get let's get a little more blunt because let's act in reality so the the cost of an education and now we're comparing athletes to regular people and and how all of the students that have to go to school have to pay this exorbitant amount of money to go to school why is that Nate why do we have to pay two hundred thousand dollars to go to higher education there are rules and systems in place that allow you to borrow money, an undetermined amount of money. So colleges have decided we're going to up the value. We're going to have always have construction. We're always going to be building. We're going to compete with other universities, just like the football program is, to offer you mm-hmm. more opportunities, and it costs mm-hmm. more money. 
There's nothing that says that a college education has to cost that much. It was decided right. by all the other factors in place. So let's because just they're businesses. Because they're businesses. They're, because they're trying they're, to make money. Exactly. And, and they, they can because of the way student loans work. So if you solve that problem, then it's – and this is really what I'm getting to. If you're working at a business and it's a lucrative business and it's a very successful one, you have benefits packages that are better than what you and I have. And I think, you know, like that doesn't mean that I think our benefits package is bad, but I don't I get it. I don't benefits. get a, Exactly. I don't get a car. I sure. don't get I don't get hours on a on a, a helicopter. And I'm, I'm sorry for using James Franklin's uh, last negotiated helicopter. deal. Isn't that, isn't that part of the deal is he's using the helicopter and he gets like time to use the other things. And it's just what jumped to mind as far as like perks, right? Yeah. So a perk I, I mean, of being an athlete at Penn State is that you get the education, but you're to the point of being an employee, you know, it might go to that point eventually. And then it's a, there, there, the education is a benefit for going to the school. There are academic scholarships that provide full rides to bright gifted students yeah. like what are we talking about here like yeah. that that notion the, these things of providing benefit to the university to make the university look good to provide value to the university that's all over the place it is not limited to football or men's basketball or any number of athletic endeavors it, yeah. it, it's all over the place so i just uh, yeah i mean i just i reject the baseline of that part of the question, but going back to the beginning, uh, at what point do these colleges just make the players employees? Yeah, I think that honestly will probably be something that's explored very yeah. seriously. Yep. Um, because what they were concerned about, right? And again, this is tying all of these different strings together is labor unions. The NCAA didn't want to have to deal with labor unions. That's yeah. why that was never bridged in the first place. Yeah. The idea of amateurism. They couldn't be pros because if they were pros, they could bond together, become mm -hmm. a labor union, mm -hmm. and then demand certain things. Demand 48% right? of the revenue from television, which is what the NFL union does. That's why there's a salary cap. That's where right. primarily most of the money for the salary cap comes from. So, right. yeah, that's – and we don't have any sort of – comparative system in sports for what college football is because it is either the third or the second most popular sport in America. It generates on a very broad spectrum more money than anything but the NFL. Like it is up there as far as like money makers in sports economy. Yep. And, and, and we don't have any way to navigate this because until recently you didn't have to pay the employees. You didn't have to pay the people that are on the field making the product. And you had a built-in reason no, to keep it Frank. differently because you they, they graduate after four to five years. So that's not like you have any entrenched people that are there to gain any sort of, a, you know, clout, advantage, um, negotiating power. It's a built-in right. system the way it is. And it, we're talking, we're laying the floor bare here, by the way. We're not going to, I don't want to skirt around this because we're talking about it in real dollars and cents now. That's the reason. There's no there's no power amongst the players that graduate and leave. Right. So, sorry. I know that yeah. No, I I mean I'm it, it's just it's to me I think that the 
like my frustration is no matter what they asked for, no matter what players were demanding or asking for, it was always going to be villainized. And I, I just think that you can't get to a point in the system where it's the imbalance is so dramatic. Yeah. Right. Like, I, and I've talked about this. I've, I've said this on, on our message board. Do you know what happens when the media goes to a, a, a big ball game? We get gifts like, like the Fiesta Bowl gives yeah. out gifts, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the Fiesta Bowl, it, it, I don't want to just single the, the Fiesta Bowl out. All of these major bowls have a ton of money that filters through the bowl game. Tickets sold, media right, like you name it, all of this stuff. They do these massive charity philanthropic deals. They sell the naming they rights to the bowl to get lots of money. Yep. There's there's a ton of money. And then every year as the media, we write these stories about how they got a PlayStation, right? Yep. Like all the players got a fossil watch. Yep. You name it. And it's like, hey, uh, by providing these relatively small in nature benefits, it distracts from the reality that this is way out of whack. This yeah. is so far out of whack. Like yeah. you've got coaches in college football, James Franklin among them, making ten million dollars, right? Like nine yeah. million dollars. But we're gonna say that Jahan Dotson uh is worth a PlayStation Penn State was worth a PlayStation and a hundred thousand dollar education yeah. per year, right? Like it, it's just it's not right. Yeah. Uh and, and I think that coming from it from like an eyes open perspective, it, there's a realization that, yeah, now things with NIL are probably swinging too far in the other direction. Yeah. Right. Like $3 million deals for players who have never taken a snap of college football. Yeah. yeah that's, that is galling. I understand why the public is responding the way that it is. Yeah. But also this was a mess created of the system's own choices. And this is, by the way, I'm using the NFL time and again as comparison because it's the only other sport it's the only comparison of a sport the uh the nfl had this problem and they collectively bargained with the players union for a rookie wage scale in the draft so sam bradford wouldn't get 50 million dollars and then be yep. okay jamarcus russell wouldn't be the biggest bust in in history and then you had to pay for that literally for five to ten years so Again, the, every market goes through these things. It's just the NFL is paying their players early in this process. And as the money exploded from television, because we freaking love football, and everyone watches it all the time, <laughs> even Tuesday at 11 o'clock at night, that's what's happening. Like, we care so much. But you, uh, anyway, because we can get down a rabbit hole of television and the, how this started to where it is now. And it's just, we're here now. We're here now. So G418 asks this, and it feels like a genie in the bottle sort of situation. And I think you answered this already, but regarding NCAA and the NIL, are they essentially powerless at this point due to individual state regulations, or is it a combination of that and a lack of interest on their part to regulate? I'll fill in that part. Will it take a federal regulation to find a solution, television networks that can no longer sell the necessary advertising to fuel the same team, or a complete dismantling of Power 5 teams and conferences. Seems like a no-brainer that the current state of college football has some sort of shelf life. Also, any early thoughts on Auburn? <laughs> <laughs> so let, 
the, I think that advances the question of like we kind of got to it before. Yeah, the current model in college football, this is unsustainable. The NIL situation right now is unsustainable unless you just want to have unfettered bidding for players, which some people that are free market capitalists would love. Like, that's the idea until it's not yeah. your team. Right. You know, is it is it is it not sustainable? That's that's the question, I, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would say that it wouldn't appear to me as though it is. But then there's. 32 owners of NFL teams, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's however many owners of NBA. What's the NBA? 30? 32? 30? 30? I don't know. Okay. Point being, there there are owners out there. People like this. They like to make money. They Right? And so mm -hmm. at what point does the col college football system become, a again, like a privatized league? Yeah. Of sorts. Right. How do in, you in which because I was thinking about this. How would you sever it from the university? Because that's it's right. so integral. It's so integral to, to the university. The university owns the the team. Is that right. so? So yeah, but I mean, it's the whole thing is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. Like why, why? Why is higher education in the United States married to pro football? Yeah, right. Like, I mean, that's yep. that's what Lane Kiffin called it, and he's not wrong. Why? Why is that the relationship? And so, certainly, I, I think to the question, there there are questions about: Are there going to be universities that say, you know what, we're not going to be a part of this? Right. right. We're, we're we're willing to go so far, um, and you know, look uh, to put it in terms of the SEC's values versus those of the Big Ten, I, I think there is or are some stark differences, okay? <laughs> right? like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that it's out of line to put it in those terms of, yeah, the SEC has no problem with that because that it just... That's what they football do. Football matters. That's yep. what they do. That's, they they yep. have... There's no inhibition there in terms of having that marriage, whereas you see it in the Big Ten with in schools. In the Pac-12. And the Pac-12, yep. and to a certain extent, the ACC. It, you see this conflict, this struggle that's happening of trying to figure out what the identity is and what it can be or what it should be between an institution conceivably of higher learning and pro athletics. Yeah. Right? Like, why, how, how do those two things merge? And do you want to be a part of that system? Because the, the again, bottom line is if you want to, if it matters for the Big Ten, for instance, to win national championships in football, then you have to be willing to do the things that the SEC is doing. Yep. Otherwise, and we talk about this with Penn State all the time, otherwise just change the standard. Right? Yeah. Like, like change it so that you're competing with like-minded Universities. So when, yeah. like, when the NC or when the when the SEC talks about, hey, we're just going to do our own playoff, like, it, it, as as a floated idea, it sounds ridiculous, but it's not right, and so, it could be the future. So this is this is the problem, and this is going back to to the question, uh, and and the part of it I think is is interesting is uh, the dismantling of the Power Five teams and conferences, and where's the NCAA's role here? The NFL has a commissioner, 
They have an umbrella organization, the NFL, with 32 individual entities, and it is in their mutual interest to work together and not compete. In college football, you have the Power Five conferences that do not have an umbrella organization that has any merit or power whatsoever in the NCAA that was neutered by the Supreme Court, and that introduced all of this chaos. There is no umbrella organization keeping anybody in check or leveling the playing field or keeping anything equitable across the country. And there's 65 teams. There's not 32. And that's all of these problems as you're trying to find a path forward of is it pro? Is it amateur? Is it something in between? The in-between always has more gray area and loopholes. And until there is some sort of governing body, there is some sort of agreed upon rules system a new agreed-upon rule system, the, 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 the expansion of di- you know, the diversity of all of this stuff is going to continue. Of, you know, from com- competition levels you mentioned, funding, all of these things are con- going to continue to expand because there's nothing keeping them in check. So psych him for a palate cleanser, and I'm sorry, we gotta, we're, we're like 35 yeah, yeah. minutes no, in. We've got to get to some questions. Um, psych him asks... When you look at a young player like Damian Robinson, who played linebacker at Maryland, but you see a better suitable defensive end, what skills, size, speed, agility are you looking at to determine if a player would be better suited for linebacker defensive end? Uh, and he says, I don't want every question to be about NIL. <laughs> so he's asking this one. He understands it's important, but like football. Uh, so Nate, ah, I've done that joke too many times. What do you think? No, you say. <laughs> so uh, frame is, is, a, is an important thing to me. Um, it's not, it's not where I should start, but when I think, when I watch Damian Robinson on film, broad shoulders, wide, like I think a wide carriage to add weight to be 250 pounds. I think he's got a, a defensive end body, but if you're that size, that's also, I think in a similar way and why a lot of people looked at Brandon Smith as a guy who could play defensive end because he's wide, he's got this broad uh, setup, but because he was so fast at that size, he didn't have to get to 250, right? He could be naturally big at 235, 240 pounds and move like a linebacker. That was, I think, what Maryland's calculation about Damian Robinson was. But when I watch him burst around the edge, and this is really what it is to me, is he has um, an unnaturally fast first step. He's explosive beyond explosive. He's more explosive, I think, than deny Dennis Sutton. Now, Dennis Sutton, and this is just comparative of their skills, it's not critical of either player. Dennis Sutton has good explosiveness, good first step, and the power, length, and technique to be a great pass rusher and to be a great all-around defensive end. But Damian Robinson has next-level speed and bend around the corner. And when I see that, I want to develop that as a pass rusher because that's a more important skill than a linebacker. Now, the idea with with the Micah Parsons comparison and what, what James Franklin said yesterday of kind of a hybrid linebacker defensive end is what if you can get both out of him? What if you can get on early down run stopping another defensive lineman on the field, essentially? And then on pass rushing downs, you can choose what to do with him. I thought Maryland was making him too much of a coverage player. And I don't know that he has the... Micah Parsons, freak athlete, can do everything skill. So I want to deploy his resources most efficiently. And to me, that's add length, add strength, add uh, muscle mass to his frame, make him a pure defensive end, make him an Adafi Owe. 
I think that's his best skill. And that's what I look at, the differences and comparisons. And I don't give a crap about outside linebackers because it's about your job. So 3-4 outside linebacker, 4-3 defensive end. We have this conversation all the time, making the puppet head movements. What's your job? Are you primarily going after the quarterback or are you primarily in coverage? That determines whether you're an edge rusher, which encompasses all players that line up on the edge of the pocket and attack the quarterback, or are you a linebacker? And I know that, you know, pure football guys are going to be like, oh, there's a big difference, sort of. And I just thought that the, the ratio for Robinson at Maryland was too skewed towards coverage. I, I thought his skills were more attack the quarterback, attack the quarterback, attack the quarterback. Uh, AK, 1967, asks, back to NIL, explain how to contribute to NIL. Many want to contribute but need clear direction. This is a, this is the thing, Nate, of like, yeah. you know, we don't, this is all new. These are all new organizations that are being developed. Um, let me let me refocus the question because there are currently three for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know for sure off the top of my head what the third one is. It's uh, the Nittany Commonwealth, Success with Honor, and then there's the Chamber of Commerce in State College has one, correct? That's the third it's one? Happy Valley Talent. Right. So that's confusing to start. So yep. how do you focus these efforts and how do people know that they're not throwing their money into empty well or to a pyramid scheme? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, uh, one, I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, and I would not feel comfortable with this. It's not my role to advocate for one over the others. Like I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, um, let the market decide. Know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I would just say that it's, it's a disadvantage to Penn state that the situation is what it is right now, because yep. if people don't have a clear understanding of which one has, um, you know, like the support of Penn state is kind of the wrong way to put it. Right. But to not say that is dancing around the reality. Right. Right. And so Penn state currently has not even dog whistled that, right? Like it hasn't been even a, Hey, this is this one right here is that's the one that we are most familiar with. Um, you know, certainly I think that, that you've seen success with honor as having the most notable, and we talked about this, T Frank, having the yep. most notable brand name, recognizable yep. Penn state figures behind it on its board, yep. uh, and are kind of the faces of that, but it, it just, it just hasn't been clear. And I mean, I, I guess that's, that's kind of the issue, right. In, yep. in terms of where Penn state is from an NIL perspective is, Hey, we're coming up on a year of NIL, right? Like in yeah. terms of the the culture, it's been here for almost a year. And Texas had something right off the bat. Clemson, yep. Alabama, right? Like all, all of these different places, Texas A&M have, have had these organizations that have been up and running. They're practiced at it. They have ironed out the kinks. They're, they're steamrolling ahead. Yep. And June 9, I I couldn't tell you which one Penn State even has its money on as the leading horse, right? Of like, hey, this one's the most efficient. This is the best way to distribute this money. This is where everyone should align behind. Um, yeah. And so, if I'm saying that as the media, certainly I can understand. And I'm like, and I'm paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, so yep. what are fans supposed to think? 
Uh, so AK-1967, I apologize to you, but that's part of the issue is that the mes messaging for Penn State has not clarified that, has not made it um, even understood through outside channels where that should be headed. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer. Yeah. And it, I, it, the problem is it comes down to your personal dedication to go find the information. And we've done our best. I've reached out to a couple of, I've reached out directly to one of the NIL companies to have them on the show and explain what they are and what they do. But these, if you want to go donate to these things, you have to go find them. You have to know what their names are. You have to Google them. You have to do your research. You have to be comfortable with it. Then you have to decide if you're going to give your money to this place. And that's like, you know, they always talk about, uh, you know, attrition when it comes to spending money of credit cards. There's less attrition than when you physically hand somebody cash. It creates pain when you actually give away your money. But <laughs> if you're in a situation and there's all this attrition, same thing with a cart abandonment online of like you filled the cart. I did this the other day. I bought some equipment for my camera. And then like, there was one barrier of like, your address is wrong. It's like, ah, I don't need it anyway. So I just left <laughs> it. Yeah. You got so many barriers for Penn State fans to keep their money in their pockets right now and not donate to the organization because of all that stuff. So that is a huge problem. Um, I, I normally have fun with these uh, screen names, but I don't even know what to do with this one. Draymond. Dramon. He wants to know. To Ramon? Dramon? I3I. No. I don't know. Whatever. Sorry. Sorry, I don't know how to read your screen name. My apologies. To what extent do you believe the fan base's squeamishness towards paying players has affected Penn State's ability to roll out a coherent, strong message for NIL? Do you see that the fan base and the lack of willing boosters being a limiting factor to keep Penn State from being on a competing on a national level? This has been weaved throughout the whole conversation back to Losi's mustache, who basically said he's not on board with NIL by the way he his question so yeah. is this put a finer point on it for us here yeah i don't i mean i don't think that i don't think that you can know until there's there is a coherent message and i think that that's that is the fundamental issue at hand right now is look if you roll out a slick well-organized backed by legit people organization that penn state has signaled knowingly right that it is behind and happy to work with and is backing and people don't donate to it okay you, you shot your shot right it, you know it just oh okay there, there's no appetite at penn state that's it and so you just you do what you can and go from there but that hasn't been the case there there hasn't been a coherent message there hasn't been um a slick rollout that right i mean i i think certainly when success with honor was launched it, it appeared to be the most organized yeah but but where is it like right. I, I just i don't so let me it's not it's not front of mind and i think the problem is james franklin is talking about nil at this press conference yesterday yep that's fine and We're it's understood why that's necessary. It's understood yep. why Penn state is needs to be a part of that conversation. We get all that. I get all that. You get all that. Yep. I, I think that the public understands that, but when there's a disconnect between hearing that message, where does that energy go? Right. How do you take action? 
Yep. How do you take action on that? Yep. And so, it hasn't and it hasn't been clarified. Let me ask you that. Let me and this is this is the next question in the evolution of this. Is that where Patrick Kraft or Neely Benabuti come in? into this yes. conversation of focus messaging getting everyone on the same page because clearly yes. it can't be james franklin he can only sound the alarm bell yes <laughs> all yes. right perfect it, it, uh, i mean not not even not even dr ben Deputy, right i mean it's it's pat craft like yeah. pat craft hit uh, job number one door number one is hey uh he needs to be right I, i've said this a few times now when Ryan Day was talking to a group of boosters about what would be needed to sustain roster management, and he threw out that $13 million number, right? Yeah. The guy who was with him was Gene Smith. Okay. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a unite. Penn State used to do the coach's caravan, right? Yep. And, yep. and whether that was great or not, uh, it, it was a ton of effort and a ton of time, but you saw it. You saw this message that was being pushed by Penn State unified as an institution. That has not existed with NIL, and yeah. it's going to have to exist moving forward. And I believe and expect Pat Kraft, James Franklin, maybe even literally on July 1 to have a rollout yeah. or soon thereafter of the two of them pitching the right people, if not everyone, right? The broader public yeah. on a plan, on a plan and a direction of this is where things need to go. This is what we need. This is the support that, you know, will take Penn State to the top. You name it, right? But yeah. I would expect the two of them to be at the forefront of it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this is now Chris spinning this forward for us here. I appreciate the the unintentional layering of these questions, which I totally did on purpose. So he says, <laughs> referencing uh, Ryan Day and the $13 million number that set all of this conversation off yesterday. Chris Galso asks, in your humble opinion, is $13 million enough for Penn State to compete? Uh, you know I'm all in on NIL, but I think your perspective could help those who are hesitating along. So, I know somebody else on the thread mentioned this $150,000 per player for $13 mm -hmm. million for roster management. Let me just put it in perspective because I've been referencing the NFL this entire time. And if you don't like that, tough. Like, I don't know anything about minor league baseball. Also, I think that is an abusive system for the most part. I love going to uh, minor league games, but I don't like thinking about the amount of money those players are paid versus uh, the time that they spend. So we're going to go. There's an issue in golf with the same thing. Look at what's yeah. happening with live, right? Like, yep. There's a lot of intersect going on with these sports and the way that they're structured. Anyway, continue. So there are there are twenty and the number twenty one players in the NFL whose base salary is above thirteen million dollars annually. There are one hundred and twenty one NFL players whose 
salaries, total compensation is over $13 million. So if you're asking me in the competitive sports world and, and college football is not on the same level as the NFL and nobody is, $13 million is reasonable. To put it in perspective, if you want the cold, hard reality. By the way, I don't have any problem with this stuff because I grew up a fan of the NFL. The salary cap was always a thing. Talking about money does not ruin football for me. It doesn't take the soulless thing. I do this for money. Nate does this for money. You do your job for money. We love our jobs, but we do them for money. So you got to do it because you us. love the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Oh, please. Where's your I don't... pride in Pennsylvania? I love this state. I do. But you know what I love about Pennsylvania? It's not Texas that always has to tell everyone it's Texas. It's, it's just fine to be a Woo! Pennsylvanian. It's just fine to be here. We like it here. It's not too hot. When the earth burns up, this will be the last place that it happens. But, like... I don't care that much about the Commonwealth and the esprit de corps of Pennsylvania to work for free. So anyway, $13 million is a reasonable number in my opinion. Uh, And and furthermore, I think that if you were to look at the way the NFL does it, where you have collectively bargained 48% of shared revenue, which is mostly TV deals, and the NFL, I looked this up, I apologize for not having the number in front of me, Uh, it's, I think, in the hundreds... Uh, of it's like $87 billion over 10 years or something like that. So we're into the multiple billions of dollars a year. The mm-hmm. And this is, again, where there's no umbrella organization tying these Power Five conferences together. But we've heard for months now that the, that the Big Ten is going to get a billion-dollar media rights deal. Mm-hmm. That's split 14 ways. So there's your base for what to calculate off of. And I did it earlier this year. It was $35 million if you wanted to say in the same uh, in the same revenue sort of sharing. I'm, I, I'm terrible at math, so maybe it's not that's not correct. But like it's somewhere north of $13 million if you were to yeah. use the NFL model. So $13 million is a modest number. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it's low. I, I think it's yeah. low for what is what the potential is out there. I, I, I don't know. Like it, it just... Part of what's interesting about this to me for Penn State is this notion of, hey, look, uh, Miami, right? They're the easy one to point to. John Ruiz is bankrolling this. Yep. It's just him. It doesn't matter if anybody else is on board. He's going to do it himself because that's what he wants. Yep. Uh, fine. I don't see that currently at Penn State. Terry Pagula uh, is selling the Sabres. They're building a stadium. I think he's. I think he's fine where he is from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, so so uh, you know, not to say that there aren't others out there who could probably do it or something close to it. I think that there are, but that doesn't seem the way to, to be the way that stars are aligning. Which is why you know when I think of thirteen million, it's like okay, well, if you're asking two donors to shoulder that every year, then sure, no, it's probably not reasonable. Yeah, but if you're talking about how many people come to Beaver Stadium every year right yeah. and and are willing to shell out you know what, what are we talking about now 80 bucks to get in right when yeah. you talk about the the fees for season tickets like all that stuff yeah um a ticket and so if if they asked for or were able to harness the power of a hundred dollars a year donations right the same stuff that goes to the nitty lion club yeah if you were able to to harness that is that going to change million, 
it's is that going to change mean, maybe. where where we think, where they're asked to donate instead of donating to the university maybe they can't do it directly but donate to the to the the nil collective or to this particular fund that is legally allowed to go to the players yeah i mean i think it's a i think it is a is it is an inherent conflict um yeah. that maybe what you're going to see is, and like i would have to look at the numbers i'm i'm at this point speaking unintelligently about this because i don't know the specifics yeah but if you have to swap if you have to swap your nittany lion club donations for the increased revenue that you're getting from the the, the new tv deal right and that yeah. whatever those whatever those yearly contributions to N uh nittany lion club are and you say hey you know what we're I mean, this is ridiculous when I say it, but like we're shutting down the Nittany Lion Club. Doesn't exist. Or yep. the Nittany Lion Club now exists as uh, an NIL collective. Like that might be the trade that you have to make, right? Or or that you have to be willing to live with of, hey, Nittany Lion Club and the things that it supports are not going to be the only game in town in terms of financial contributions from donors that directly impact and have a direct yeah uh ramification on the success or failure of you know penn state's athletic programs the bwi daily edition mailbag show all about nil i'm your host thomas frank carr that voice you just heard if you're watching on the youtube channel nate bauer senior editor if you're listening on our podcast i love you guys thanks for downloading and subscribing and please do wherever you do podcast if you're watching this because you saw nil and you thought it was a juicy conversation Welcome to the BWI Daily. Subscribe and make sure you check out our YouTube channel for all the great stuff we've got going on over here, including press conferences, highlight videos. There's going to be another camp this weekend. We're going to get video and photos from that. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. And just a reminder, bluewhiteillustrated.com for all the stuff. So if you think this is just the this show is just the tip of the iceberg. Nate's reporting, Ryan's reporting, Greg's reporting, all at bluewhiteillustrated.com, all the information, all the words. I'm here to dance and sing and entertain you. A little, little fired up today because I, I think this gets to the heart of a lot of stuff in terms of um, college football, the longtime inequity between the players and the situation because of the money we're talking about. Because people love sports and love football specifically and basketball. There is all this money around. And we we've talked about facilities Nate we've talked about and I don't think facilities are going away but Penn State and and Clemson and Arizona couldn't pay their players legally so they built Taj Mahal's with all the extra money does that change going forward does the money start going directly to where you know in my opinion it should have been for a while and 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 that's kind of maybe the the future we see there I mean, J James Franklin said it uh, in my interview with him last week, and it was kind of an aside, but I, th I think that it's extraordinarily relevant that the programs who got their facilities construction in, mm -hmm. right, or are in process or almost done or are done are ahead of the game, Yep. right? Like, I think that P Penn State is is kind of straddling that line because I, obviously there's more to do there are more needs that penn state has from a facilities perspective but he said it, it it's an awkward conversation to have to go to donors now and say uh we facilities are still a need and we definitely need you for this oh but also you need to be aware that 
NIL is now a huge need as well. And so <laughs> got to double like, dip. It's, it's this, well, you got to double dip. And yeah. so, uh, people who don't have to double dip because their facilities are already built and they're shining and new and whatever, like that doesn't have to be the conversation. Now the conversation yeah. can simply be, Hey, uh, appreciate all your support over the years. And now this is, this is the next frontier and gotta have you, Yep, y you know, need you behind us. Um, so yeah, it's tough. Couple more questions here on the mailbag. Pete PA, or as my dyslexic brain says, Patipa, asks, can Micah and company land some there, I finally got a laugh making fun of or, or having some Love fun it. with a, a name. Can Micah and company land some twenty twenty three commits in the near future, or will there be early calendar twenty twenty three before we can expect some? Nate, you yep. are the guy to ask. Who do we have a legitimate chance of landing? asks Pete in PA. Yeah. Um it's a tough one. Um, I think that the immediate concern for Penn State basketball fans is and should be. Um, well, first of all, I'll say I'll say who is relevant, right? And to me, that's Kerry Booth, uh, son of Calvin Booth, who is um, a, a big. He's kind of a stretch center, stretch four, six ten. Um, uh, pushing 205 pounds, something, something like that, who is in play, right? Visited Penn state is interested in Penn state. Um, you know, is, is the timeline on that soon of him making a decision? I don't think so. Uh, I think that he's got other visits lined up and other things that he's planning to do on the recruiting trail before he comes to a decision. And that is, that is kind of the hangup is my sense. What, what I have right now in terms of guys that Penn state is involved with, I don't think the timeline is real immediate. I right. think you are looking at August, September, maybe even into October before some of these decisions get made. So that's the, that's kind of the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing is Devin Royal who Penn State has been involved with from the get-go and has a great relationship with, um, you know, just a, a really strong position in recruiting. Uh, Devin Royal has blown up. He yeah. is a superstar now. Uh, he was on threes player of the tournament, right? Yeah. For this Pangos tournament that they just had in Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, he, he is just as big as it gets in terms of fast risers. So he went from a guy who was not ranked right like kind of on the fringes of yeah. being ranked to i mean he's he's going to be a legit top 30 top 25 kind of player now and so if you're penn state basketball there's a duality to it right because on the yeah. good, on the one hand you you saw this talent you first. nailed you're, it you nailed it you knew it and you know really heavily invested and did all of the things to establish that solid relationship but uh, you know, on the backside of it, Hey, it's kind of a, it's a tough spot for Penn state because yeah. Penn state Lo isn't a program that traditionally does well with top 25 recruits. Love you, but I'm going to wherever. Correct. Like love the relationship, but love the relationship. You're the best, uh, you know, it's like so great. And I really appreciate that. But, uh, Duke called yeah. and, um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're pretty good at basketball. So, so 
going through a couple of these questions. Um, I think we covered this one from Stephen Lisko. Besides sex, success with honor, what else is taking place for NIL? Uh, hopefully, we answered that question for you pretty <laughs> pretty efficiently there, Stephen. Uh, Travis asks, with NIL and the transfer portal being front and center, do you think it will start to have an effect on the number of guys getting drafted from smaller colleges as better players transfer to bigger schools for better NIL deals? Just curious. You know, it depends. I don't, well, what like, what's Jackson State working with? Right, right. right. Where is is um, that where Deion Sanders is? It is. Yeah, and I so just, my, I mean, my, I think that my question is actually kind of the reverse, right? I, I mean, like, I would, I would just flip that and say, yeah, there are going to be players right now who want to pursue that and find themselves having this great opportunity with NIL being at the forefront. But where does it exist of programs that aren't blue bloods and yeah. that aren't big time saying, Hey, we, we, you know, the resources are not there to do a baseline salary, right? Yeah. For lack of a better word to all of our, our players, yeah. but there's a linebacker that we love and we are going to muster up every penny that we possibly can to pay this one guy $500,000 and Penn going to say, well, yeah. And Penn, Penn state's going to say, okay, a corner, fine, whatever. Right. <laughs> Sorry. No, just relevance of position. Just like the, the value on your dollar for a linebacker, as we said earlier, totally go get it, go get yourself a corner. <laughs> Point Sorry. being is, is those guys, those guys might end up being the highest bidder. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I would think, might... I would think too, that um, location's important. So does Temple, sure. being in Philly, have more businesses and more uh, cash on hand? You know, does Pitt have an advantage being in Pittsburgh versus Penn State being in State College? Now, Penn State has been able to, I think, leverage both cities for a long time being in the middle. But from a direct yep. business relationship standpoint, does that matter? Um, and are there other schools down south with one random, very, very rich donor, as you pointed out, that can give you the money to go portal shopping? Um, but I, I think on, on the flip side, this is what I said earlier, and this is why I think I wrote I wrote about this earlier this week with with um, Hunter Norzad. It's important that you identify players in the transfer portal. And it's a conversation I had with... Um, um, about Arnold Ebikiti with John Scott Jr. about you have a reputation now in the portal that you can get guys to the league. So Damian Robinson mm -hmm. is here because of all the stuff and recruiting and loving the program, loving James Franklin, loving the everything. But he's here because Yitor Grossmatos was a second-round pick and because Adafi Owe was a first-round pick and Arnold Ebikiti was a high second-round pick. And these guys are going to the league with a lot of fanfare. So they've got something going in the portal. And I think as long as the NFL gives you more money, there's a destination at a school that you know is going to get you there because you've got the skills, they've identified you, and they can give you the platform and the tools to get there. Having a, an offensive lineman get to the league, having Hunter Norzad get to the league helps with the transfer portal irrespective of NIL. That's going to be, I think, for younger guys, but there's still going to be a market for I need a good coach. I need a good situation to to catapult me into the third round if I'm a lineman. So I, I think that's how I look at that particular conversation. And the transfer portal isn't all negative. Like, it isn't all fear-based. There's opportunity there. 
the last question we have is from Mark uh, Milutin. Uh, damn it, Mark is my friend, and I always screw up his name. Multinovic. Mark Multinovic asks, how do you feel about top 25 chances this year? Key things that the, to stay consistent and be a top 25 program. Ending on a football question, Nate. Mm-hmm. You first. Uh, we covered a lot of it. You know, have a consistent threat on the ground. Help your quarterback out. You'll score more points. And that doesn't mean establish the run, run on first and 10, and a bunch of um, non- uh, modern ideas about football. It's about creating that stress on the defense and it has to be from a legitimate threat on the ground. And then defensively, Damian Robinson or uh, uh, Deny Dennis Sutton have to come in and provide pressure. Or any combination of Adisa Isaac and those two have to create pressure because I think the rest of the defense can be fine. I think the secondary has a chance to be great. If all those young guys elevate their play they could be deeper than they were last year with a similar baseline maybe not the high highs of having brisker and and brown back there together but this could be a very good unit those two things are what i'm looking at pass rush and efficiency on the offensive side and then yeah i I think they're right back to where they were before yep Uh, no objections i think the schedule is important um how they start is extremely important Injuries are always important. Like I'm just gonna, I'm assuming that the conversation is going to have a built-in caveat that like injuries throw everything off, yeah. right? They just do. Uh, and so whatever those expectations are, if any of the starters, particularly on the offensive line, particularly on the defensive line, yeah, are lost, quarterback, right? Like any of that stuff happens, yeah. then yeah, all bets are off. But I would I would in- push back on the offensive line, believe it or not. Like th- that they have enough depth, their yeah. guard depth. So let's just worst case scenario. Olaf Ashanu gets hurt. If Olu goes down, right. But Landon Tengwall performed well last year at that position. Yeah. And if you then insert one of the guys that are backups at left, I think you can roll along that way. You're not going to be at your best. You're going to be percentages worse, but I do think that there is a better, there's a better situation than there was last season because of that guard depth. And because of Tang Wall specifically. But yeah, I you know, if Juice Scruggs goes down or if Caden Wallace goes down, and yet worst case scenario in the situation, now you have a problem. But I, yeah. I do think they have a little more flexibility up front than they did last year. Okay. Granted, yeah. I just it gets thin quickly. It and does. they realized that last year, right? There were te- there were expected nine who could contribute yeah. before the start of the season. Yeah. Oh yeah, I put. I was. I I didn't quite agree from what I've seen that there's five guards that can compete. I think right. the number I put at is three with Sal Wormley, Hunter Norzad, Landon Tangwall, and then the other guys they can come in and if they if they provide you with that and and James Franklin is saying I'm wrong, you haven't yeah. seen the other side of it that there's five of them we feel good about. That is that is depth. That is super. Helpful. I just I go. I mean, not to belabor it, but like you know, we're talking about. Uh, coming back from injury for PJ Mustafer. And yeah, granted his was in the middle of the season, but uh similar deal, right? For Sal, where's he at, right? Yep. Like what, what, what is a reasonable expectation for a person who suffers an injury like that in August as compared to October? Because yep. if our expectations for October guy are, uh, then I would probably argue that expectations for August guy aren't that far off. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Right. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you on all of that. I, I just look, uh, this is, this is just kind of the way that I 
see things in general, right? And and uh, it can cross sports, right? Basketball is kind of the same way. Is if you look at the schedule, you see teams that are like obvious losses or mm-hmm. obvious heavy favorites out there, right? I would say that there's probably two on the schedule. And I, I don't even know if I would go that far. It might be one and a half, right? Yeah. But there's Who's the this. second that you're thinking of? Probably at Michigan, right? At, I think at Michigan is that part. We'll see if they come down to earth this year because yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just see if they come down to earth, if they can replicate that success from last year. I mean, that's that's the worst part of this, right? Is like you and I have this built-in natural disrespect for what Michigan does that because <laughs> they established the run, <laughs> right? I mean, they're they're a college football playoff team last year, and yeah. I can't sit here and say that Penn State should be a heavy underdog in that yep. game. I just I can't, just based on what they do. I don't like yep. it. Um, yep. But Ohio State, I can say, is going to be a heavy favorite because that's what they are. That's mm-hmm. where they are, right? Um, particularly with, with that quarterback coming back. Um, yeah. So so that's that, right? But if you're looking at the rest of the schedule for Penn State, you know, there's just this swath of games that Penn State probably should win, right? Like, But, like, just on the top side of that probably. Yep. Right? Versus... Yep that you also are very able to lose. Yep. And so that's where things get thrown into flux is, all right, I see the schedule and I'm saying, okay, maybe maybe three games are like absolute, no doubt about it. Yeah, These teams are 100 and worse in the FPI, yep. right? They're just not good. Yep. Uh, versus this you know, wave of teams that are between 15 and like 50 Yeah, that Penn state could fall anywhere in between that, that scale, just based on development and, you know, how things kind of play out. So we'll see. I'm not ready to go into season predictions yet. Yeah. Not ready to do it. It's not July yet. We don't have to start looking ahead to camp, which means we're looking ahead to the season. We're, we're just here in June. Uh, speaking of, We're going to do some more recruiting tomorrow, preview the weekend coming up. And of course, we're going to have coverage of that coming up this weekend as well. Penn State's next camp. So subscribe to BlueEyedIllustrated.com and subscribe here on the YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.